Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. OMG, Deborah Mark. What, Ken Jampo? What did you do? What? John's not here. He's got COVID. You no. infected him in one day when you came back yesterday? I know. No. He's not here. I know. What happened? He dropped. He, he's, he's. Did you interact yesterday with him? I did. See? Just because you think you tested negative doesn't mean you're not still infectious. No, he's actually got to. You know what's the problem with being on the radio? You say something and it goes into an ear. I know. And even if you reverse it 20 seconds later, doesn't matter. But it's a joke. Right. Ha ha ha. It's a scheduled day off. Uh, you're a little sensitive, though, on your uh, infectiousness, aren't you? No, I, I don't want to uh, be you, accused of infecting you're, you're, people. Did, are you one of those people that felt shamed because you finally got COVID? No, but you know what I feel shamed about? People on social media are outraged that I got on a plane in Mexico with COVID. What was I supposed to do? Stay in Mexico for 12, 13 days? Do you remember what Garcetti did? He had to stay, what country was it? Scotland? Oh, right. He stayed in a hotel room for seven days or something before he came back, okay. right? You got to follow the, 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 yeah. the esteemed mayor. Yes, but you know what? There's Until no you testing test negative, required. You stay in place. Well, you know what? I didn't, but I masked up and I didn't touch anything and I wiped things down and yeah, I wasn't I, sitting I'm, next to anybody. You send me the airline. I'm going to track down the passenger no list and see what happened. <laughs> are you what kidding? kind of trail you left? <laughs> All right. Yeah. We are, of course. Uh, Got the money in about 15 minutes. Another keyword will be coming your way. KFI cash refill contest. A lot to talk about today, but we begin. This is early for the show to begin with Steve Gregory, 
from KFI News. But this is a good one. And, of course, it comes out of a very horrible tragedy. Back on December 29th, a Riverside uh, County uh, deputy by the name of Isaiah Cordero just wanted to pull a guy over, and he was shot to death by this uh, piece of crap, William Shea McKay, who was a three-strikes felon, convicted. But the judge in the case, and this is out of San Bernardino County, uh, Kara Hudson, granted him bond to await an official sentencing and appeals. Anyway, they picked him up again, and again, he got bail. And that's why he was out there on December 29th to kill the sheriff's deputy. And it looks like there's finally, coming from, we'll, we'll explain who they are, coming from uh, somewhere uh, here in the world, uh, some support for the judge in the case, or at least don't rush to judgment. It's the American Board of Trial Advocates, Steve. Who the hell are they? I have no idea. It's the first that I've ever heard of this organization. And it's uh, when I d- did a quick pass on them, uh, review. It looks like it's a collection of judges and attorneys from all different disciplines. And there's the San Bernardino Riverside chapter. It's an American organization, or it's a nationwide organization, with this one San Bernardino Riverside chapter. Now, this fell into my lap yesterday, but it came out on January 9th, and the headline is, Facts Matter. Get the complete and accurate picture before judging the McKay trial judge. And then it goes on to say that they're they're horrified by the death of uh, Isaiah Cordero. Their sympathies go out to Cordero and his family. But then what it says, unfortunately, there have been serious and damaging misstatements that have been made to the press about the judge's handling of the William McKay case. And then they itemize seven different instances where the judge did everything per policy, per procedure, and per law. And the first thing out of the shoot is they wanted to make a point of saying the judge was not appointed by the current governor. <laughs> the handling judge was appointed by Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, what I thought was interesting about that is they made the point of saying Republican Governor, you know, Republican Governor went in the statement before they said that they are a bipartisan sort of neutral organization that doesn't get political. Oh, involved. by the way, I looked them up. Uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, websites that kind of analyze these organizations and said they're center left mm. and they do advocate. I think they're probably heavier on defense attorneys than they are on prosecutors. It's trial lawyers, right? Is really what they are, right? So th- their main point is they want to preserve the jury by trial system and apparently some people are pushing for things like arbitration and they want to keep trial by jury but that, that's their main thing but uh i just wanted to point out it looks like they're a little left uh, a lot of the stuff on their website was about advocating for the you know the, the system could be racism and the judicial sure. system and they're pushing against that, the usual stuff so i just wanted to point that right. out but yeah so the, their first point is okay he was not appointed by newsom all right fine yeah but then they go on to say that public officials have commented on numerous occasions that the trial judge had repeatedly, quote, let him go. But in fact, they say, the trial judge never allowed McKay to be released. He was originally held on $950,000 bail. And then it goes on to give details about, uh, you know... Did anybody say that? I mean, we've talked about this several times. We never said that she just let him go without bail or bond. We were just aghast that a three-striker got bail or bond. That was the problem. Did they address that? They address it here in another one of the points here where they talk about both... The prosecution and the defense had continued sentencing multiple times and gives the impression that both the prosecution and defense 
were okay with the arrangements being made and mm. that they were in complete compliance with each other or in corroboration with each other when it, with respect to how the judge's decision Did anybody went. ask uh, the San Bernardino County DA's office if that's really how they felt? Uh, well, here's the thing. We can't get the DA's office in San Bernardino County to call no, us back. No, we're trying to do the same thing. Yeah, and I don't, for some reason they went off the grid. And so if anyone out there <laughs> is in the DA's office, we'd sure appreciate a callback. Yeah, because that would be a good question to ask them. Yeah, Were you sort like of to, in agreement with the defense yeah, attorneys you know, that uh, we should continue sentencing? Usually those but then the are... second half of that, which is very important, is it is okay if he gets bail. Yeah. I, I doubt it because I read in one story they did oppose his being released on any bail or bond. So, Right, and, and the DA was quick to put out a statement to that effect. We got that statement like within hours of the death of Cordero and after Chad Bianco, the Riverside County Sheriff, put out his statement in his press conference. Soon after that, we did get a statement from the district attorney, Jason Anderson, identifying the fact that they had opposed bail and and kind of their position on the McKay cases. And so, but now again, trying to get a hold of them has been kind of difficult. We can't use COVID and the holidays as excuses anymore. We're way past both of those. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, but it, it goes on to, like I said, they have seven different points here. And then it goes on to make these sort of statements about, uh, you know, the fact that the judge has received credible threats um, that uh, and I have heard this from a source and it's not been independently verified by us. But we have heard that the judge had gone out of the country on vacation when this all happened prior to this happening and that the judge has yet to return from out of country. So, um, and I'm told implying that maybe she doesn't feel it's safe to return. Yeah, to and and also been told that some of her cases have already been reassigned to other judges. Hmm. So that's what we're checking on now. Um, but this thing is a uh, we're working on it for KFI News. The, the rest of the story, but and the, the DA's office did they they issued a statement on this? Jacqueline Rodriguez, did you try her? She's the public mm-hmm. affairs yeah, officer we've for the tried, I've tried and everyone said, here. She said, well, there is no legislation that states that a post-convicted three-strikes felon out on bond cannot post bond on on another offense. And by the way, as we mentioned, this guy got bailed twice. Uh, However, she says the failure was McKay was allowed out of custody early last year and reduced $500,000 bail as a three-strike felon. Mm. So what she's saying there is that it was the judge that could have stopped this from happening. There's nothing in the law that says she couldn't do this, but she could have stopped for him from getting bail or bond. Was there, did you see anything, Steve, that the judge, the recent case against him was what? He was holding somebody captive, hostage, and she was not too sympathetic with one of the victims or something? But the most recent, the actual arrest warrant that was out for him at the time is that his failure to show in one of these cases where he had gotten out on bail. Here's the other thing, too. Apparently, he was able to pay every time he got thrown into jail on bail. He was able to pay and bail out every time. So you're talking about six hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, um, nine hundred fifty thousand dollars bail. I mean, and, and regardless of how the final number worked out, he was able to pay that every time. Apparently, yeah. From what source, I wonder. Yeah, uh, exactly. This guy didn't have a job. This creep. And apparently, there was some talk from his defense attorneys that he's just a lifetime drug abuser, and it really caused hardship for his life, and blah blah blah. But honestly. She had a chance to correct the error when he was arrested again 
and he he got bailed and he got bonded again. I mean, well, it's he, one thing to do it the first time, but she did it again. It's a three strike felony. Here's, here's the thing, though. In, in item number seven here, it says defendant McKay's sentencing on the felony convictions was to occur on October 21st of 2022 in the Rancho Cucamonga Branch Courthouse. The trial judge was out of the country, and McKay's hearing was handled by a different San Bernardino County judge. There was a failure to appear by the defendant McKay relative to sentencing. Therefore. A warrant for arrest was issued and bail was forfeited. The new bail order was issued in the amount of $600,000 by the second fill-in judge. So it's very possible, according to this here, that that the most previous judge on this was not um, Kara Hudson. Uh, the Kara Hudson only gave the first mm -hmm. bond of $500,000 right. after his three strikes convictions that some other judge may have let him out. Well, that's still a problem. Maybe we won't trace it all back to her, but who was this second judge and why did they do this? I mean, you can see the case clearly in front of you in this man's long criminal history, his conviction for three strikes. He already jumped one bail with another offense. Why, I don't understand why, even if it is another judge, that he got bond again. It's hard to believe. All right, so you're still trying to get in touch then with the San Bernardino County TA's office. Yeah, yeah. so are we. So yeah. uh, obviously they can give us more information. All right, thanks, Steve. You got it, buddy. Bye. All right, Steve Gregory from KFI News. The uh, American Board of Trial Advocates... Wants people to calm down. They put out a bunch of points. Uh, the facts matter. Get the complete and accurate picture before judging the McKay trial judge. Her name is Kara Hudson. And, of course, she was the one that actually found this murderer, William McKay, guilty uh, in a three strikes case. But then still allowed him to get bail. I think we know at least that first time she was responsible for that. And uh, eventually he did kill a Riverside County a deputy. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, that's a story everywhere because of so much rain. Is the California drought over? Let me begin with this little nugget from Cal Matters, which is kind of a left-leaning website. Anyway, they think they're nonpartisan, but I've read a lot of their stuff. CalMatters.org. Uh, in summary, a dozen days of wet and wild weather hasn't ended the drought and won't cure the driest period in the West in the past 1,200 years. I looked at that and said, you're really sure the weather records that go back 1,200 years, okay? The people have really studied what the trees and the ground, and you're sure that this is the driest period we've had in the West in 1,200 years. But nevertheless, it's on the minds of a lot of people. And for the common man, with all the rain and snow that we've had, it seems to make sense that a lot of the drought is over. And depending on how you look at it, it is. Uh, yeah, at least the areas of the state that are in what they call extreme or severe drought, they've got all these words for it, extreme drought, severe drought. That's pretty much done with. They showed a map like from a year ago compared to now showing the areas that uh, didn't have like any water. And now they're back into more normal conditions. But technically the drought's not over because you need more water in the parts of the state, and that would be the groundwater. So obviously, when the rain and the snow falls, well, you want the rain to hit parts of the state, particularly like where the farms are, so you have the water that seeps down into the soil and becomes the groundwater. And uh, that's still going to take some time, according to most of these stories. But uh, it is pretty sensational what we've been seeing with the snowfall. And the snowpack is important. Um, the snowpack, the last time it was this high was on this date, uh, was back in 2005 when it was 206% of normal. 
the measurement taken yesterday had it at 226% of normal. That is a high not seen in the last 20 plus years. The Sierra snowpack on Wednesday measured 102% of its April 1 average. And that's the end of the season date when it's usually at its deepest. So all of that is good. And the good thing about the snowpack is it acts as kind of like a reservoir effect because it's going to slowly melt as the months get warmer. And that's when you can collect the water. It's sort of holding it there for you. And then it's easier to collect. As for this drenching rainfall, which we've talked about, that nauseum, a lot of it can't be collected because we don't have as much storage space as we're supposed to have. And so therefore it just flows out to the sea. That's the end of it. In fact, uh, we have mentioned many times on this show that a ballot measure was passed in 2014, Prop 1, a water bond. Supposed to fund a whole bunch of water storage projects. Well, not one project has started construction. Here we are, nine years later, nothing. And it's all because of lawsuits and bureaucratic red tape and all the usual objections that slow down anything that looks like progress in the state of California. Because just like some people aren't crazy about building homes everywhere, people aren't crazy about building water storage. Don't build anything. The state has enough of everything. Stop it. Stop building. I oppose. Which in some cases, I'll admit, I oppose certain. I don't want a high-rise apartment for the homeless in my neighborhood. I oppose. Uh, it says here what we're also looking at, and I mentioned this the past couple of years, we had a couple of heavy rains in December, and then that was it. Nothing happened in January, February, and March. Nothing significant. So they don't know, which is the key to this. They don't know. They think we'll probably have a couple more storms, but things could dry up around January 20th. And then they don't know beyond that, which is really the point of all this. As I have mentioned, and I would mention every hour if I could, they were predicting a La Nina winter which was drier than usual. Well, you know, winter officially started there at the end of December. And you look at us now here on January 12th, and it has hardly been a drier winter. So that's how wrong they could be in the short term, which is why I question how right they can be in the short term and the long term. So, and this one's pretty funny. The National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center is showing equal chances of wetness or dryness in most of Northern California through March. So it's 50-50 as to whether or not the rain's going to continue or whether or not we're done with it. Uh, but there is this chance of one more atmospheric river to close out the month. So the point is, even if this is the new normal that we just get drenching rains, do something to capture it. Do anything. Uh, they spent all their time in Sacramento worrying about equity, right? And all these other issues. Focus, droughts, fires. These two things, these extremes seem to happen to the state. And with the droughts, and you get a rain time like this, figure out a way to collect it, adapt and adjust. And stop complaining, eh, it's climate change. We have to do something about how much people drive and the emissions and all that. Just focus on if this is what's going to happen, drenching rain periods, figure out how to collect more of it. All right, more coming up on the John and Ken show. Oh, I haven't talked about COVID in a while. And remember all the talk a couple of years back with the lockdowns that people that might have some sort of uh, medical conditions might not seek treatments because, uh, because of the lockdown. They want to go to the hospitals. They're full of COVID patients. 
Well, we have a study which tells us there were real consequences to that. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, the Moist Line, tomorrow. It's back already. Uh, last week was kind of a dud because a lot of people were still coming back from the time off and we weren't around. And anyway, uh, leave a message. Use the iHeartRadio app. That's right. There's a microphone icon there for you to use to uh, talk back to the show and leave a Moist Line message. Or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86. 1-877-664-7886. After 2 o'clock, we're still looking into this, the California budget debacle. How did we go from a near $100 billion surplus to a $22.5 million deficit in just a year? That's the state for you. We'll talk about that with Assemblymember Jim Patterson after the news at 2 o'clock. Oh, one more good thing about the storms. Uh, if you live in 31 of the state's 58 counties that had an emergency declaration, which includes most of our listening audience, Los Angeles, Orange, San Diego, and Ventura counties, uh, you got an extra month to file your tax returns. How about that? The IRS announced that they have extended the income tax return deadline for 2022's returns till May 15th from April 15th. All right, remember back during the horrible lockdowns from 2020 that lasted into 2021 and sometimes even longer, uh, there was a lot of concern, particularly uh, with, from people in the medical field, that the problem with that is, all right, you want to stop COVID from spreading. But what about the fact that because the hospitals are full up and people are supposed to stay locked in their homes and not interact? Or what could happen with people that have conditions that need medical attention and they don't get it? And perhaps that ultimately causes their demise. And there is something referred to as excess deaths, the death toll above the historical trend, which we're going to talk about now in some new research. And my guest is Casey Mulligan, an economics professor at the University of Chicago and a fellow with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He was also chief economist for the White House Council of Economic Advisors back in 2018 to 2019. Uh, Casey Mulligan, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to join you, Ken. Sure. So talk about excess deaths, what that means, and what did you find? Yeah, we look, um, you know, people, about 3 million people die a year in the United States uh, normally. Uh, there's a bit of a seasonal to that. And we looked at those prior trends and then measured using the actual death certificates in the United States, how many extra deaths did we have belong, over and above the previous patterns? And what were the causes of those? Of course, COVID was a major cause, um, but a, a number of other causes went up. Um, things like traffic accidents, homicide, uh, drug overdose, al alcohol-related causes, diabetes, uh, circulatory, you know, stroke, heart attack, those kinds of things. And altogether, these non-COVID causes have been clipping along at about 100,000 extra per year over normal. And unlike the COVID, which has dissipated, um, these, as far as we can tell, these elevated death levels continue. And to what extent? It says here you looked at a period from April 2020 through December 2021. That was a real lockdown period. Deaths from COVID averaged 350,000 a year for Americans 65 and older, 
100,000 for those 45 to 64 and 20,000 a year for those 18 to 44. But uh, what about the category you were just talking about, which are deaths from these other causes, these non-COVID deaths? In that younger group, 18 to 44, there were quite a bit more non-COVID extra deaths um, than there were COVID deaths among that group. And I, and I guess the feeling was, this, 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 now, how can you, you, you think this is somehow linked to this whole lockdown philosophy, which froze everybody in place for so long? Yes. I, I mean, one thing that we have known for a long time, and it, you know, we, we love doctors and pharmaceuticals and things like that, but the patient is always incredibly important uh, part of maintaining health. And, you know, health is a glass half empty, glass half full. You could say, well, people weren't that good at maintaining their health. But, yeah, they were still working at it. And the pandemic was very disruptive. Um, the government had a role in disrupting them, both through instilling fear and, and having actual rules that you can't behave as normal. Um, and then individuals maybe also imposed new routines on themselves. And that disruption really, I think, made the patient uh, have even more problems than they normally do maintaining, you know, dealing with whatever conditions they have. Uh, diabetes is, is a ch- chore to maintain uh, good health in that situation. You know, somebody who struggles with alcoholism or other addictions, it only got harder to deal with those things. Um, and, you know, I think people like Dr. Fauci were totally ignoring that, even though these were well-known chronic uh, conditions that people had before the pandemic, and they were in the millions. Was it more that people, because they were locked down, weren't able to seek the help that they needed, particularly when it comes to alcoholism and, I guess, drug use? Or was it also because nobody wanted to go near the hospitals because they were loaded up with COVID patients and they feared infection? So if they started to feel something funky with the heart, maybe they did not seek the, the quick help that they needed. Do you think all of these were factors? I think they are. We do have some evidence on that second point you mentioned, the people being fearful. Um, we, we looked at heart attacks and yeah, on these death certificates, we can see the location where it happened. And the heart attacks were much more commonly happening at home rather than in a medical facility of some kind. Yeah. So that that points to, and that's just an example. That's not all of the 100,000, but that's just an example of people would normally go out and get some kind of treatment. And then the treatment might not have been a big deal, but saved their life. Yeah, when, when you think about this, they, they never really considered the total effect that lockdowns would have, not just on the economy. A lot of people said, well, who cares about the economy? We're here to save lives. And maybe it did save lives among some people who had those pre-existing conditions and were older. And uh, eventually when we went into full lockdown, but they, they never really talked about what you've got in this research was this idea of excess deaths that were non-COVID. Uh, you talk about suicide and drug overdoses. And if you said people that had heart condition and diabetes, they never really considered the fact that that group is probably going to be in worse shape because of the lockdowns. I think it's a little worse. They didn't consider it. I mean, they refused to look. This research that we were thankfully able to publish this summer, um, I had sent that in for publication in 2020. And they said, we don't want to see this. Uh, we, we don't think you're right. And the numbers were fuzzier then and everything. But we were already seeing evidence 
that we were getting a lot of abnormal deaths that weren't have have anything to do with the virus killing the person. And you were still seeing it into 2022, apparently, according to your research, still seeing these excess deaths that were non-COVID, huh? Yeah, we, I mean, the death certificates are maintained by the states, and they're sending them into the CDC where I and anyone else who wants to log on there can see. Um, and we have a pretty good picture of the first half of 2022 now, and it looks, unfortunately, like 2021 elevated. Really, all these categories that I mentioned are elevated, um, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I saw some numbers the other day on traffic accidents, um, you know, fatal traffic accidents continued. Well, I think the headline is traffic accidents in the first half of 22 declined by 0.2%. So basically they were the same as in 2021, which was an outrageously high level. Um, and I'm think- concerned that cancer deaths are going to start rising because um, we know that people weren't detecting their tumors as early and weren't getting the treatment as early. I'm worried that they're going to start to show up as uh, fatalities from this too. Do you think if we ever have another thing hit the world like a COVID uh, problem that they'll, they'll actually use this same blueprint of lockdowns that they did back in 2020? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of America knows that we should not do that again, whether there are enough to carry the day, in the policy, I, I think that's a, that's an open question. I sure hope they are. Um, it's going to be hard, I think, for the people who were in charge to learn lessons. It's always hard for people to say they were wrong, but hopefully a new generation of uh, people in the policy area will be more open-minded to looking at how we actually suffered from that. All right, Casey Mulligan, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. He's an economics professor at the University of Chicago, and uh, he did some research along with a colleague, to show uh, what we've talked about a lot, at least certainly back in 2020 and 2021, the idea of excess deaths, those non-COVID deaths, people that had all sorts of problems with drugs or alcohol or hypertension or heart disease, and they didn't get the medical treatment they needed because of the uh, harsh lockdowns. And sure enough, they found that those numbers did jump during these lockdown periods. More coming up. John and Ken. KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app after two o'clock. My guest will be Republican Assemblyman Jim Patterson from Fresno, who knows a lot about what goes on in Sacramento. Unfortunately, most of it is awful. We mentioned yesterday that the California state budget that got passed in 2020 was $202 billion. When Jerry Brown was in office in 2011, his first state budget was $98 billion. By 2018, it had crossed $200 billion, 110% increase in eight years. And now it's a $300 billion budget. And we're losing people. And life is so much better because of all this money in the budget, isn't it? It's really working wonders around the state with the homeless and the crime and the awful roads. Anyway, Jim will also talk about a press conference some Republicans held today asking the state to do something with water storage. These storms, we got to capture more of this water. We're lucky that the snowpack melts slowly. We can grab that. But all this drenching downpour water, and there was a ballot measure in 2014, as I mentioned earlier this hour, that was supposed to deal with uh, water storage projects. Not one of them has started. So Jim will have all the details on this after the news at 2 o'clock. Well, I got to bother the animal lady for this shocking story.
Mm. Yes. Yeah, I'm afraid. I, I'm on your side here. I don't like this. But it is religion clashing with, I guess you could call it an animal's right to life. How's that sound? Okay. It is a city council in a suburb of Detroit, Hamtrak City Council. They voted three to two to allow people to sacrifice animals for religious purposes. What? That's, that's insane. I, I understand. I think if you're going to live in this country, yes, you have religious freedoms. But there has to be a limit to how far your religion and its ancient beliefs can go in taking the life of animals for some sort of, I don't know, mythical belief you have about what it means. Um, what we're talking about, probably, Deborah, uh, they're somewhat high in my hierarchy, goats and sheep. Oh, I like goats and sheep. Well, um, apparently this particular suburb of Detroit is uh, rather Muslim. And they have their holidays. Yes. Uh, one of them was what? Eid al-Adha. And apparently that's what people do. They slaughter goats or sheep. Why don't we take pictures of goats and sheep and then shred them? Now, <laughs> pictures. Yes. <laughs> oh, why don't you go to the council with that compromise idea? I, I like would that. love to do that. Yeah, let's just shred pictures. as our. Well, it's not something new or novel. Um the director of the Michigan branch of the Council on American-Islamic Relations explained this is when Muslims recognize Abraham sacrificing a sheep instead of having to sacrifice his son, if you remember the Old Testament and such. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's sort of still being practiced. So you're telling me that they still believe that, you know, as a homage to God, instead of taking my son, I'm going to chop this goat's head off? Yeah, I think I we need to evolve a little bit here. It, it's cruel. We, we now, figure out they, something else to do. They do say that the meat is not wasted. They share it with family, friends, and poor people. So we already have animals being killed for meat, Deborah. To be fair, it does happen. It's not like we're going to be, you know. Yeah, but you know animals. how I feel about that. Yeah, you'd like to stop that too. Yes, of course. I know. And then, as I like to tell people, meat consumption seems to grow a bit every year in the United States, unfortunately. <laughs> Steaks having quite a run again for people. People are missing out. There's some really, really good vegetables out there. Yeah, you can keep passing that message, but I, I think it hits a wall when somebody gets a nice juicy steak in front of them. But um, uh, apparently this was a bit of a... Well, anyway, you're going to have to notify the city. You're going to have to pay a fee, and it's possible they'll come to your property to inspect. I... They have a population of 28,000 in the suburb. More than half of the residents are Yemeni, or they're from Bangladesh. And I guess it was important to this city council that they have their right to sacrifice goats and sheep. But I think there comes a point where maybe we just have to say, you know, this is not really what we do in an evolved country. Yes. We respect your right to your religious beliefs. But some of them are a little weird and a little ancient mm -hmm. and completely outdated. And I guess in this case, cruel. Yes. <laughs> um, Exclamation mark. Yeah, I, I, you know, but you can't make somebody the arbiter as to what people's religious customs that should be kept in which be. I could do it if you want me to. I could tell you which ones are really outdated and silly. And if they were done, they were done, you know, thousands of years ago that maybe you need to just rethink Right. Because We've evolved in other ways, so why not evolve and, and stop sacrificing animals? All right, coming up next, uh, my guest is State Assembly Member Jim Patterson, the Republican from Fresno. Talk about the awful state budget. The deficits is coming. And the lack 
of spending on water storage with all this rain coming down. John and Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. We got Deborah Mark with the news now. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.